You may be seated. I want to firstly congratulate you. For those of you who thought the lightning was going to strike you when you showed up today, look at you're here. You're good. Everything is fine. Thank God. Because God is gracious. He loves you. We're in this series here called When Pigs Fly. And anyone ever used this English idiom before, When Pigs Fly? It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a relative older term, but the, it, basically what it means when you say it, or if you use the term When Pigs Fly, the, the idiom is just simply to express something is impossible, or more than likely it will probably never happen. Like when some of you told people that you were coming to church today, they probably said, when pigs fly. And, and yet here you are. So I, what I, what I, our attempt in this series is just to show you that in spite of maybe what you've experienced or what you know about God or don't know about God, God is still a miracle worker. And that when something looks impossible for man, that is where God begins. Because nothing is impossible for God. But before we kind of get into the sermon and we begin to celebrate the, the children that will be present that we are dedicating today, I just want to show you this quick little video because uh, this is how I felt this morning. We got that, that little video of the little boy on the bike there, Tiana, because this, uh, this is just, I mean, we all fall. We all, we all, there we go. Well, like Nadia said, God is near. Come on, somebody. God is near. Can I get an amen, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes, Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, that just, that just blessed me today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40, or if not, it'll be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It reads this way. It says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is our God. Maybe you've never heard this before, but I'm living proof that my God is the everlasting God. My God does not grow weary. Life wears me out. People wear me out. Children will wear you out. But God never grows weary with every one of your issues and problems. If you're thankful for that today, come on, just take a moment. Put your hands together and say, thank you, Lord. You never grow faint. You never, you never grow weary. What I want to do just for a moment is, is this, uh, it's not a finish line. It's actually a timeline. This kind of little uh, orange strip that I, that I have here. Michael's going to help me here in just a moment. But what I would like you to do just for a moment is I, I want you to see this, uh, this orange tape as, as eternity. If, if we, anyone still use their imagination ever? If we could imagine that it doesn't stop at, at these walls, but it, it continues through those walls and, and throughout eternity, then this is a timeline, if you will, of eternity. It just doesn't end. It has no beginning. It has no ending. What, what I'd like to do here for a, a moment, if I could, is I'd like to talk about some things like on the timeline of, of eternity. Michael, can we just, Michael's going to help me out here today. So let's just throw a, a, a little pin in. I don't know if we can even see that little pin, but let's just say that this is creation. This is the seven days of creation when God began to create the, the heavens and the earth. Okay? Now, we already know God is eternal. We know that. He's the everlasting God. So he was always before that, way before that. He existed before he created all creation. So that's, that's creation. Let's come down a little further and maybe let's get to, yeah, yeah I, was, I don't know how many years, 3,000, 4,000 years later, I don't really know. Moses shows up on the scene, right? He shows up on the scene and, and you know the story of Moses and the, the exodus out of, out of Egypt. Uh, there was an awesome movie in the 90s uh, called The Prince of Egypt. Y'all remember that movie? Amen. It was fantastic. Hey, come on. Oh, 90s babies in the house. Amen. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Then let's go maybe a little, maybe not a few hundred years or so. And then you got this guy named David. David shows up on the scene, and, and uh, as a boy, he fights this this giant named Goliath, and he takes him down with just a, a sling and a stone. And, and so you got the, this, this story of time. Let's move forward about a, a thousand years, Michael. Let's go a thousand years from the time of David, and you've got the birth of, of Jesus. And Jesus is now here on the scene, and, and for three years, only three years, he's performing miracles. He's preaching about the kingdom of heaven. He dies, crucified, and then he defeats death and comes back from the grave. And then he ascends to heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he doesn't leave us alone. We were just singing this because he promises us that if I leave, I will send my spirit. And that's actually what we celebrate today in the church. It's called Pentecost Sunday, the day the Holy Ghost came down from heaven. And that is right there in that timeline in, in human history, a thousand years. After, after the time of David. No, let's, let's fast forward another thousand years, Michael. Fast forward another thousand years, maybe to the time of the Middle Ages. And, and the, sometimes known as the Dark Ages, if you will. And, and historically, I won't even get into everything that happened around the world, but that happened about a thousand years after Jesus lived. And then let's go, let's go forward about, not almost, almost another 800 years, almost another 800 years. And then we, we get to that point in human history where our nation, our founding fathers, July 4th, 1776, signed... This documentation, this declaration of independence saying that we're, we're done with the tyranny of, of England. And we'll celebrate that here in a little more than a month as, as a nation. And then, and then let's maybe just fast forward a little bit more, Michael. 2009, January 11, 2009, the start of Impact Church, Aurora. Yeah, yeah, a few hundred years. And Michael, let's just let's just go to uh, let's just go to Mart. Or let me let's go let's go to May 26, 2023, when Michael turned 40. Hello, somebody. Come on, all right, all right, right there, right there, right there. All right, let's give it up for the birthday boy, 40 year old birthday boy. All right, you're good, sir. He keeps saying he's 30, but he's lying in church. Come on, somebody. He's he's now in my decade here in our, in our 40s, and here's what I want you to see. Almost just little blips on the radar of eternity. Just, it's there, but does it really make a difference in light of eternity? I wonder. I want you to know that your view, your view is purely temporal. You live in the here and in the now. But God's view is eternal. He sees it all. You're, you're just a, a paperclip on a string. But God sees the entire thing. There's nothing outside of his sight. And I need you to know this is why as Christians, we call him the Alpha and the Omega. We call him the beginning and the ending. We, we call him the first and the last. We call him the God that was, the God that is, the God that is to come. We call him the author and the finisher of our faith. This is our eternal God. This is how we know him. And what I want, I, what I want to try to just show you quickly is that we exist within the realm of need. We have needs. <laughs> we, we need air. We need oxygen. We need water. We need food. Uh, we, we need money. Somebody needs a little bit more money. Amen. We have these, these needs in our life, but God is eternal. He exists outside the realm of need. He has no needs. He doesn't need the oxygen you need. He doesn't need the money you need. He doesn't need your retirement plan. He never grows weary. He never faints. I, just, I guess what I want to show you is just simply this. If, if God doesn't need anything, then why did he create anything? He doesn't need it. 
He doesn't need the angel to tell him he's holy. He knows he's holy. They fly around and they say, you're holy, holy, holy. And he's like, I know, I taught you who I am. He, he doesn't, I, I dare I say it like this, he doesn't need us. Yikes. I don't want the kind of church you were raised in, but God doesn't need you. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's that God doesn't need you. So with all that God is, it would be ludicrous for me to think that God would need me. He has no needs. So here's my question. Why would God then create something if he doesn't need it? Maybe, maybe God doesn't need anything, but the reason he created me is because he desires me. He doesn't need me, but he wants me. Okay? Okay. Maybe the reason God created us is not because he needed us to give him something. Maybe God created us because he is so much of everything that he couldn't help but want to give us some of what, who, who he is, what he is. So this string right here, it, it, it represents this idea of what our lives would look like from eternity's perspective. Looking down from, from heaven, looking from eternity, this is what our lives look like. And so I've got four things I just want to show you from eternity's perspective. Number one is this. I want you to know this. I'm only here for a moment, and I still matter to God. Literally, my life is just a, a little blip on this radar, but I still matter to God. James 4.14 says that you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're like a mist that appears for a little while, and then it, it vanishes. So I need you to see this. Though my life is but a, a, a mist, a vapor, here and gone. God still sees from eternity. And though I'm here but a moment, God still sees me. He knows right where I'm at. And I need you to know that you were created and born for such a time as this. Anywhere on this timeline you could have been born, but he has you here right now. That means you matter to God. I love how David said in Psalms 8, he said, Oh Lord, our, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. Look at verse 4. What is mere mortals? What is man that you should even think about them? Human beings that you should even care for them. You might ask yourself sometimes, how valuable am I to God? And Jesus actually gives us the, de the definition of our value in Luke chapter 12 when he says, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Not counted, numbered. That means those of you who are bald in the room, he knew when that follicle was going to dry up because every one of those hairs on your head are numbered. You are that valuable to God that he knows everything about you. So though I'm here for a moment, I still matter to God. And I see that when I catch an eternal perspective of my life. Second thing I want to tell you is this. To view our lives from eternity's perspective, my sins are microscopic compared to the immeasurable mercy of God. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands in here, but some of you have committed some massive mistakes. Don't raise your hand. Yeah, the person next to you can probably do it for you. Yeah. Some of us, we've, we've, created, we've, just, we've, done, we've, we've committed some egregious sins, some awful things that we have done. Look how Psalms 103 verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. So your sins to you look massive. 
They, they look huge. They, for many of us, our sins were actually life-altering because of things that we committed, things that we forfeited, things that we've lost along the way because of our sinful desires and our, our sinful actions. But the Bible tells us that as high as the heavens are from the earth, as far as the east is from the west, that's how much God wants to remove those sins from your life. And I, I need you to know this today. If you would just consider looking at your mistakes from the perspective of eternity, seriously, how big is your sin compared to the, the, the timeline of, e, of eternity? Here's my simple point is this. There is no sin that is too big that God can't forgive it. It's just not how it works with God. In fact, I love how God says this about himself in Isaiah 43, 25. He said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. This should give you reason to rejoice right here. God isn't just removing your sins for your sake. He's removing it because when he looks at you, he doesn't want to see it anymore. So he blots it out completely for his sake and he remembers your sin no more. I just came to help somebody here on this day. You keep remembering it, but God says, I choose to forget it completely. My sins really do. They're microscopic in comparison to his immeasurable mercy. Third thing I want to tell you when I look at life, if I would choose to look at life from eternity's perspective, third thing is this. All my pain, my suffering, the wrong that has been done to me, they aren't, they're not cosmic. All that you've gone through, all the wrong you've experienced, how you've been treated, it isn't so cosmic that you can't forgive it. Ruh-roh, I just used the F word. Forgive. Forgive. I don't even need to know your story to know that some of you in this room have been seriously wronged by people. You've been harmed by family members. Some of you have experienced abuse. Some of you have been molested, raped. Some of you have, have gone through not, not, not just being unnoticed. You've gone through serious neglect as though you don't even matter. Some of you have, have experienced the, the people gossiping and slandering about you, and, and they're, they're not brave enough to say it to your face, but you know they've been doing it behind your back. Some of you have experienced people who love you right to your face with the knife they're twisting in your backside. Some of you have, have flat out experienced this system of our world completely mistreating you, misrepresenting you, misjudging you. Not available to you. So we can look at our lives and we can say, I've been wrong so many times, but can I just encourage you that your suffering isn't cosmic. It isn't that big that you can't possibly consider this idea of forgiving it. What I'm not doing is I'm not dismissing what you've been through. We've all gone through hell on earth. We all have, have been mistreated and wronged. I'm not trying to dismiss what you've been through. I'm just wondering if what was done to us is nothing more than just a blip on the radar of human history, then maybe, just maybe, we can do what Jesus said and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Is forgiveness possible? Is it possible? Well, Jesus said, yes, 
We must forgive. Look, look at his words here in Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus one day and he says, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? If you know Jewish custom, it was customary to forgive three times. So what Peter does is he takes three plus three, he doubles it and adds one. Should I forgive them seven times? times. And I think Peter's feeling good about himself because the Jews only say three times, but I've, I've doubled that plus one. Seven times, Jesus. I should forgive seven times, right? And look at Jesus' response. Jesus says, he says to him, no, 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 not seven times, but 70 times seven. What the heck are you talking about, Jesus? Here's what I want you to know what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness isn't pretending that it didn't happen. Forgiveness is just simply saying, I'm not going to let it hold me to that place in my life and not be able to move forward. Forgiveness actually has nothing to do with the offender. Forgiveness has everything to do with you, the one who was offended. So they can't keep you in prison to the wrong that they did to you. That's what forgiveness is. So Peter says, I'll forgive them seven times, right? And Jesus says, no. Okay, so I'll forgive them 490 times, 70 times seven. Jesus is like, you're missing the point. Here's the point. Every time you think about what they did wrong to you, instead of holding it against them, you just forgive them so you can be free from what they've done. Now I get it. I get it. For those who have lived in forgiveness... We can clap our hands, but some of you are sitting here right now and you're just like, but you have no idea. You don't even know what was done to me. You don't know what I've lived through. You've never heard my testimony. You don't know my sorrow. You don't, you don't know my struggle. You, you have no clue. And I would just simply say, you're right. I don't know your story, but I know his story. And here's all I want to encourage you with today. Instead of always thinking about the wrong that was done to you, Maybe just consider the wrong that was done to him. He was falsely accused. He was put on trial even though he committed no wrong whatsoever. He was beaten while on trial. His beard was ripped from his face. He was literally had his back ripped open with a cat of nine tails. There was a crown of thorns to mock him that they made out of the thorn bush and crammed it into his skull. Then they nailed his hands and, and feet to a cross and, and made him hang there naked for hours as he died a horrible kind of death called crucifixion. Here's all I, I just want to tell you today. Instead of focusing on the wrong that was done to you, remember the wrong that was done to him. Because when you say, I can't forgive, I want to remind you of what he said in those moments when he was beaten and bloodied and treated wrongly and abused. In those moments, he looked to heaven and he said this, Father, forgive them. Somebody here in your spirit today, your, your pain and your suffering is, isn't cosmic. If he can forgive it, the one I'm trying to tell you is supernaturally, he can help you to forgive those who have wronged you as well. When I look at the timeline of my life from eternity's perspective, it hurt, but it don't need to hold me. I've got somewhere God wants me to go. I've got things he wants me to do. And for those who have ever held on to unforgiveness for any length of time, you know it has kept you stuck for months, years, possibly decades. And God in his love today is not only wanting to forgive you, he's wanting to help you to forgive those who have wronged you. If you've experienced his forgiveness, can you say amen? If he has taught you how to forgive others, can you say thank you, Lord? 
because he wants you free. Last thing, last thing, and I'll wrap this up here. When I look at the timeline of life from eternity's perspective, I recognize this. My God is eternal. And if he's eternal, then he can never be exaggerated. Some of you think, man, when they get in their church, they, that's just too much. They just, they're going over the top. No, 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 no. I, I can never actually give him enough praise. I can never give him enough worship. The Bible actually teaches me to love him with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. I, I can't over-exaggerate how good God is. I, I can't over-exaggerate how great he's been to me. And when I view eternity from his perspective, here's what I want you to catch today. Your God can never be exaggerated. Psalms 87 says this, there is none like you among the gods. Oh Lord, none, nor, nor is there anyone who works like you do. There are no works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. Everyone hear that? Even those who don't even believe in him, even those who deny his existence, even those who worship some other false god, everyone is going to come and bow and worship him. And they shall glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. Can I get somebody who agrees with this to say amen? amen. He alone is God. Now, when I look at this verse, all the wonderful things that God has done, the fact that he is eternal, the fact that he can't be exaggerated. Maybe you've never considered this, but in all of creation, everything that God has made, do you realize that only us, only mankind has been created with the ability to have awe, to have a sense of wonder, to be amazed? Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Only you have the ability to be like, wow. Do, do you really think the, the, the bird flying through the air looks at the sunset and says, hmm, isn't that something? Do you think the wolf howling up at the moon is like, I wonder what's on the dark side? Do you really think the, wish, uh, the, the, the fish or the whale who spend their entire life is swimming throughout the ocean just like, dang, this place is deep. Only you and I have the capacity for wonder, for amazement. Can, can, consider this, because my God cannot be exaggerated. Did you know that there are literally over 8.7 million species of animals already discovered? And every year, around 18,000 new species of animals discovered. Over half of those are insects. Sorry, y'all. what the... Did, did, did you know every second... Your body produces 25 million new cells. That means in 16 seconds, you have produced more cells than there are people living in the United States of America. Did, did you know that according to the Environmental Protection Agency, they claim that there's approximately 130 million blades of grass in the average size American lawn. No wonder it takes me so long. Did, did you know with the invention of the Hubble scope, astronomers have estimated that there are around 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. 200 billion galaxies. What the heck? Why? What is the need for that? 
Because maybe, just maybe, one day when we got smart enough to determine how many cells are in our body and how many galaxies are, are in, in the solar system, maybe, just maybe, one day when we got smart enough to learn things that we didn't even know were possible at one time in human history, maybe, just maybe, we would look at those things and say, wow, maybe there is a God out there who values me so much that in spite of everything else he's created, he singled me out and said, you are what I want for eternity. You are what I'm going to make in my image and in my likeness. Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to know that you have been created with a sense of wow. So when you think about God, you're just not like, God, I need something, but God, wow, you are so awesome. Thank you, that you for everything you've already done and everything you're still to do. It's still to come in my timeline. What you need to know is that God is, is so inexhaustible. They, they tell us no Two fingerprints are the same. They tell us that the nose print on your dog is completely different from the nose print on my dog. They, they, they tell us that no two snowflakes are the same. That's how inexhaustible your God is. And something about your God, he just cannot be duplicated. And nothing that he does great can be duplicated. Why? Because God never comes to the end of doing what he's doing and being who he is. He is the eternal one. What the Bible says is about him, Ephesians 3, he says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or even imagine. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a child at heart. I got a crazy imagination. Anybody, anybody still like me? Anybody still got a little bit of imagination that works? Okay. I, I still imagine things happening. I still, I'm not going to lie to you, I still imagine scenarios playing out and what I will do if I have to. You know what I'm saying? I, I play the, I just imagine things. All, I'm a daydreamer. I just, I, that's what I am. I, I'm thankful that even at 42, I haven't lost my sense of wonder. And wow, God, look at how great you are. And that's all I'm trying to simply tell you here today. He can still do exceedingly and abundantly above even your imagination according to the power that works in you. Verse 21 says this, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What am I trying to tell you? Your God is so big, he can never be exaggerated. Your God is so big, in fact, he wants you to know this today. No matter how big you make me, I'm still bigger. No matter how strong you make me, I'm still stronger. No matter how great you make me, I'm still greater. No matter how much you pray, know that I'm the one who answers those prayers. So can I encourage you today, if he's great and greatly to be praised, then pray big prayers. Have big faith. Serve big. Love big. Give big. Because no matter how big you make God, he's always going to be bigger. I cannot exaggerate my God. I want to, let, let me real quick, let me just illustrate this. So on May 3rd of this year, Pastor Olga, on Wednesday nights, it was Wednesday, Pastor Olga makes me watch the Chicago shows with her. Anybody else watch the Chicago shows? Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. I'm a fan of PD. I watch PD with her. Okay. So on May 3rd of this year, Pastor Olga's like, we, got, we have to watch this episode because my son Zion is in that episode. Go ahead, Tiana, fire up for him. Fire up for him. So you keep playing. Zion doesn't have any speaking lines. Okay. So we're sitting here watching this episode, and, and I, I went back and, did, and, and actually just did you know, a little bit of research. Simon, 5.1 million people watch this episode. 5.1. Okay. 
the whole episode runs 43 minutes long. That's 2,580 seconds. Check us out, y'all. Oh, hit the pause button, somebody. There's my guy. There's my guy. There's my guy. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, okay, yeah. 43 minutes of episode, Simon. 2,580 seconds of episode. And you see Zion's face for 4.5 seconds. How ridiculous would it have been for Pastor Olga to tell me, let's watch an episode that's all about our son, Zion. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. This whole thing, he loves you, but this whole thing is not about you. This does not revolve around you. God loves you. He's for you. But this is his show. This is his plan. This is his timeline. This is his purpose. This is his creation. This is his world. It is all about him. I'm not trying to tell you he doesn't love you. I'm trying to tell you it isn't about you. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. What, what above all, if you're capable, if you're physically capable, stand your feet with me. If you're physically capable. We're going to do this in honor to God, reverence to God. What has happened in the church is that our message has become, how can we serve you? And there's nothing wrong with that. But what if in these last days, God is trying to get us to shift the message away from how can we serve you to how can we get you to serve the one it's all about? How can we get you to be a part of what he's doing in this timeline of human history? It really is a terrible thing to live in a world of such wonder and yet lose your awe, lose your sense of amazement. And if I've learned anything, I've learned that you can believe there is a God, hear me, and still live like an atheist. You can believe in God and live like there's an atheist. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you think that God exists to meet your needs. That's why the only time you come to him or, or pray to him is when you have a need. No. Otherwise you act like he doesn't even exist, like he doesn't even matter. Come on, just be honest. You, you, you really think that God wants you to live your life however you want and then at the last moment you just make it right with him before you die and go on to eternity? Now I'm telling you his grace is enough. His grace will help you but this life you're living isn't about everything you want. It's not about everything you desire. This life that you are living is about living it for him and for his glory. That's what this life is about. And I have watched for 23 years now I have watched Christians lose their sense of worship because they lost their sense of wonder. Part of the reason I'm quoting so many scriptures to you is because I need you to know how great your God is. And when you get back a sense of wonder, you can't stand there stoic and just, can we move on to what's next? When you're amazed, you can't help but say, thank you. You can't help but say, you're awesome. You can't help but say, wow, you're worthy. It's a sense of wonder and awe that propels our sense of worship of who he is. So can I ask you for just a moment with, with me right now, can we just close our eyes? Because I want to pray today that God will restore that sense of wow in your life, that sense of amazement in your life. This is but a timeline that we live on. 
just to represent the fact that God is eternal and he never ends. There is no beginning. There is no ending. We live within the structure of time. God exists outside of that because he's eternal. And one day you will breathe your last breath here on earth and you will step over into eternity. You will be amazed for all eternity. I'm not praying for eternity. I'm praying for right now that you will regain the sense of amazement, the sense of wonder and wow in your life because God is great. Religion isn't great. Sometimes church people aren't great, but God is great. And I want to encourage you today, do not judge Jesus based on Jamin based on the person sitting next to you. Do not judge how great your God is based on how bad religious people have been to you. God is awesome. God is worthy. God is loving. And God is present in this moment to let you know I love you with an everlasting love. Father, I ask today that you will restore to this generation a sense of amazement. Not entitlement, but amazement. One that says, I don't deserve anything, but God, you've been so good to bless me. If you have been a recipient of the goodness of God, can you lift both your hands to heaven right now and just help me say thank you, Lord, because he's not done yet. You hear me? He's not done yet. God is just getting started. And the closer you get to him, the more you're going to see his grace, his power, his presence, his purpose for your life. Father, I ask right now that this become a new generation. May we not just believe in you and live like atheists. May we be the kind of generation that declares as long as there is breath in our bodies, as long as I am alive, I will bless the Lord. I will exalt the name of the Lord in the world that he has made, in the TV show that belongs to him. I will play my parts, and God, you will be glorified through my life. If you're a part of that generation, can you lift your voice and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you have me here now. I will live out my purpose now. I will fulfill it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before I transition into the time of our dedication for our children, all over this room, if you are far from God, listen to me, you don't have to be. You don't. If you only came today because someone invited you, because we are dedicating someone you love, because you were strong-armed into coming or bribed in some way, I'm glad you're here. Because, amen. Because historically, this is what we know as the birthday of the church. It's called Pentecost Sunday. The day the Holy Spirit came down and the church was born. What a, what a great day for us to be able to celebrate the babies and the children and the teenagers that are now being dedicated back to God. Today is more than just any of us coming because we had to I need you to know that God already knew you would be here and he wanted you to know before you left here that in spite of how religion has treated you in spite of what you believe about him he knows you he formed you in your mother's womb he believes in you and he has a purpose for your life if you would choose today to just surrender to him don't not just come to church not just play church but surrender to God there's such a transformation that will happen in your life. In fact, we're the people in this room that are a living testimony. I don't just go to church. I don't just play church. I've surrendered my life to God, and my life is all the better because of it. Go ahead. I didn't pay anybody. They're in this room. 
Their life is proof of what God can do with you. What I want to do right here, right now, is I want to invite you to put your faith in this God who loves you. So if you'll be willing, just for a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you just to repeat after me. The words don't save you. It's faith in Jesus that will save you. So if you're willing right now, everyone just, just close, our, close our eyes. You don't have to look down. There's no shame in this. Just close your eyes. Or if you want to look up, fine, whatever. Because we're talking to God right now. If you're willing, just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love towards me. I ask you now to forgive me of all of my mistakes. Forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Save me. Redeem me. Change me. Help me to live for you. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for me to be with you forever. Thank you for your love. Now help me to forgive others just as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if you said that prayer, the Bible tells us angels rejoice because you put your faith in Jesus. Amen. Amen.